Welcome to Disco Coolia Headlines Weekly, a podcast where we share news, information, resources, tips and tricks about Disco Coolia. You can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes and then search for Disco Coolia Headlines. You can also find us on the web at discoculiaheadlines.com and then click on the podcast page. Retrieval has been studied for ages. Some are good at not, some like behind. Test anxiety does not predict exam performance. Classroom design for early learners and numberless word problems. This is our podcast for week 47 in 2022. And we welcome Dr. Schroeder, the founder of Disco Clear Services, to help us look at these links of this week. Welcome, Dr. Schroeder. Thank you, as always. Happy to be in the studio. It's good to see you again. It's good to see you again. <coughs> the, uh, the links that bubbled up this week, it's so interesting. And we really want to go over them because some are really mind-boggling. Um, the, now, the first one, I think, is a follow-up of something that we discussed last week. It's about retrieval, but I think this is something different. And it seems it has been studied for a long time already. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, this actually refers back to an article and study done by Edwina Abbott in 1909, mind you, when she wow. was working on her master's degree. Wow. And um, it is a, a story that is on the Teacher Toolkit, a digital media platform that was started around two decades ago by a teacher, Ross Morrison McGill, and uh, thousands of teachers um, contribute uh, on, on that uh, media platform. So going back to this um, retrieval uh, thing, um, Ms. Abbott talks about the testing effect. So, um, and that is indeed something that we looked into last week also. So. Her original uh, manuscript was 62 pages, so there you she go. worked really hard on this. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's called On the Analysis of the Factor of Recall in the Learning Process. Now, the aim of her research was to determine the nature of the influence of ref, uh, recall and the conditions under which it would be most effective. So, right. for example... Um, the length uh, of time given in which to, uh, to learn the material and whether recall should be spaced out or should follow immediately after you have learned it. Okay, yeah, good point. Yeah, so, and um, that is actually um, also um, looked into at the University of Illinois where they stated that the uh, in 2008, I think, or 2006, some either, either way, <laughs> the opportunity know. for recall during or immediately after the learning process is very beneficial. Okay. So they basically say when you are teaching something new, immediately do pieces of recall interspersed with the new... Um, information that you because then they retain the knowledge better yeah and then at the end you go over the whole thing interesting so um let me let me uh tell you the conclusions that they uh that they had already um more than 100 years ago more than 100 years ago this is amazing and she said that a recall uh it's always um helpful in the learning process okay now when 
uh, recall comes after how they call it the imprint or the, the learning process. Right. Immediate recall is uh, more effective than delayed recall. Right. And this recall practice, um, it's getting less effective when uh, it takes longer time before you do it. Okay. And that makes makes sense, that obviously. Makes sense. Yeah. So also, they say, and I totally agree with that, and it's very important for our students also, that recall is more effective when it is um, uh, mixed in with the new lesson. What with I just learning. say, okay. uh, what was actually um, also Same said at the University of Illinois. Right. Okay. Then localization is one of the factors um, which make uh, recall an aid to memory. But that the relative importance of this factor is really um, depending on, uh, on the individual. All right. And then the, the, if you compare the value of recall and giving new information imprint, that depends on the individual. So some people need more recall and some people can handle more uh, imprint. Okay. And they said here that um, people with strong inner speech tendency depend little on immediate um, re-imaging. Now, this is a final conclusion suggests that the importance of developing a student's what they now call schema. That's kind of a, a conceptual connection How between that student things. learns, okay. How that, it's so making those connections, um, and if you need a lot um, of recall or more imprint, depends on the individual. And, and I would yeah. definitely agree with that. So it's great to see that scientists have worked on this for so long already and all teachers uh, can make note of this work and, and use it to support their students and basically the uh, bottom line is for our practice as uh, dyscalculia tutors it is important to note uh, that was also confirmed uh, in a study I think by Nicholas Cepeda at the uh, um, U.S. San Diego in 2006 uh, that spaced learning is more effective than maths than put everything together. Okay. So basically, and uh, not only spaced learning but also spaced uh, recall, if you translate that to what we are doing, it's better for a student to have frequent short interventions during the whole week than one then big one day one of hour math. <laughs> right. lesson. Okay. Right. Good, good. It's wonderful to know that that they've already worked on this for so long, and uh, and I think teachers should should have the benefit of this kind of research, and uh, you know, it should be they they should read this. Anyway, our next link notes that uh, some are good at math, and then some like behind. But why? <laughs> Yeah, um, this refers back to an article 
by Francis Anderson from uh, the University of Sub ne uh, Nebraska in Omaha. And it uh, follows on the situation that due to the pandemic, students have fallen behind. We, oh, we know right. that. And <clears throat> we also know that they um, have fallen behind uh, even more in math than in language arts, unfortunately. Now, during the pandemic, all teaching went online and math teachers had to tell students what to do instead of uh, using hands-on and visual clues. Um, although you can obviously do some, some visual um, in, in online lessons, but it's less than when you are in a classroom. And that uh, way of teaching only worked for like a fifth of the students, 20%, they say here. And it certainly did not work for our students who have trouble with math or even dyscalculia. Right, so they, right. they fell behind really uh, a lot. So um, Francis Emerson makes a good point um, that it's more important than finding out why students lag behind is how to get them back up to speed. And I agree with that too. So here are uh, her suggestions. Students who have fallen behind should have twice as much instruction to engage in grade-level mathematics. And that is a bold statement. It is a bold statement. But one I wholeheartedly agree with. Right. And it actually also links to an um, article at uh, the Institute of Educational Science at the ERIC uh, database. So, and that link is also um, in... Um, the Discoculia headlines where you uh, click on this article. So, at the time spent in math also should be um, rich task-based teaching and learning, organic, so linked to everyday experiences so that the kids can make sense of it. Now, what this means, uh, also their personal experiences need to... Um, happen every day in math class. It needs to be, it needs to make sense. They needs to be able to relate to it. For mm -hmm. example, a hands-on activity in math class, uh, a story problem that is relevant to the students or uh, students creating their own uh, questions and a story problem, obviously. So they can connect uh, real uh, yeah, real-life um, activities with it. And uh, a teacher asking different type of questions to uh, challenge uh, the students. And also, this is very important, psychologically, all students need to see themselves as able mathematicians so that they develop a personal connection to uh, math learning. It's right. not like... This is something that's in a book, this or this outside is, of me, or right, you know, this is the, only this in math class. The right. teacher's, um, um, yeah, activity, but this is something that really involves me. And one of the other, um, what I remember, books that was mentioned here, um, uh, a joint publication from the NCTM and the Solution Tree. Um, and it's done by uh, Timothy Canold and, and other uh, people. So 
there is even more information. Okay. Well, our next link says that test anxiety does not predict performance. How is that? Yeah. Well, um, th there is some relationship. So wait, wait, wait a minute. Uh, this is from the Journal uh, of Association of the Association of Psychological Science. Uh, sorry for that. Um, it's very interesting research, and um, at the Leibniz Institute for Research and Information and Education actually did the study. That's in, in Germany, Frankfurt am Main. And the first author is uh, Maria Theobald. So they analyzed um, data from 309 medical students who prepared for a high-stakes exam using a digital learning platform. Okay. And uh, they also say that uh, the majority actually was female, uh, 71%. Oh, and okay. mean age was 26. So using log files from the learning platform, they uh, looked at their students' level of knowledge throughout their exam preparation phase and their average performance in a mock exam that was completed really short before the, the real final exam. All right. Now, the results showed that test anxiety did not predict exam performance more than the student's knowledge level. Okay. As assessed in the mock exam or during the exam preparation phase. So if you stop reading there, you think, okay, the anxiety does not influence their right. test if results. You, if you have the knowledge, then you'll do well. But, but. there's another thing. Oh, okay. We also looked at um, data, or they looked at data from the exam preparation phase, and they found that people with a high test anxiety gained less information, less knowledge over the exam preparation phase. So that anxiety was already holding them back in the in learning, learning process. Ah. Now, taken together, these um, results um, say are, are, are that the hypothesis that test anxiety interferes with the retrieval of previous learned knowledge is not correct. In summary, what they found is that the text anxiety actually hampers during the preparation phase. And then the actual performance of the test is more um, uh, depending on the knowledge that they have than on their uh, anxiety. It's an interesting right. study, although I must say that the outcome is still that the students with test anxiety have a worse performance on the test. Uh, it is just not because of the performance on the test, on the day of the test, but how it was, how it has distorted their, their preparation, their learning uh, before that time. Right, I, I find this a, a misleading title that, that indeed the, 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 the test anxiety does not predict the, uh, the outcome, but it is, but it is the knowledge, but the knowledge was driven by yes. the anxiety. So this is clickbait. There is a this relation. Is, there's clickbait here. <laughs> okay, listeners, you gotta read this for yourself and, and form your own opinion. If you have a comment, just 
hit the uh, ask a question button and, uh, and send us a message uh, with a comment on this, uh, this article. Interesting. Our next link is about classroom design. And I think we've talked about that uh, also in recent uh, podcasts. Mm -hmm. What can we learn here? Yeah, this is from the Ad Search uh, website. It was written by an education design director who has worked with a multidisciplinary team to design spaces both inside and outside to optimize learning and creativity. And uh, I have fond memories of uh, being involved in such a process for a preschool, um, I think uh, 15 or 20 years ago. For example, uh, they spent considerable attention two uh, important differences uh, between how three-year-olds and how five-year-olds interact with their environment. So they also have uh, different uh, developmental needs. So as children grow, they need more freedom to roam around, uh, also to develop social skills and, and just discover their, their space. Now let me quote um, what he tells about uh, a recent project. The facility was designed around several existing mature trees on a 50,000 square foot site. Now that is already wonderful to right, start with. Right, yes. All of the classrooms have sliding glass doors that open directly into a protected courtyard, shadowed by the tree canopies. The courtyard has seven zones that are intentionally designed to support learning exploration, socialization, reflection, and including grasslands, a small shaded learning environment, and an area that they dubbed the grove, which is a, an interactive gathering spot under the eucalyptus trees with a tiered uh, seating. It's a little bit like an outdoor theater thing. Now, these outdoor zones are connected by a tricycle path. So children can develop motor skills while freely exploring the courtyard. Isn't that fantastic? Okay. And, and, and this was a public school? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> so there, there, were, there, were, uh, there was only one picture from, from the indoors. Oh, okay. But a great uh, outdoor park layout was uh, in the pictures. And uh, the team had worked about a year, oh, mind wow. you, on the project. Oh, wow. And followed the educators, their flow throughout the year, their vision. It sounds really great to me. Uh, yes, yes. And, and like I said, it brings yes. back of m memories uh, when I was involved yeah. in, in a... Uh, project like this and also it uh, makes you well, remember all the good ideas from the Reggio Emilia project in, yes. uh, in Italy. Indeed. Well, I guess we'll have to talk to the president and double the education budget and, uh, <laughs> and then we'll get somewhere. Well, this brings us to our last link for the week and it talks about numberless work problems. Is that still math? If, if you don't Absolutely. put any numbers in and there? Absolutely. And it's very, very important. <laughs> Is and it? I actually... Without knowing that this had a name, I have used this uh, for years because I know that uh, a lot of kids, and particularly those who struggle in math, they get uh, confused with the numbers in a word uh, problem. And since they are uh, usually in the addition mode, uh, 
Right. Uh, they look for the numbers, add them up, and think they have the answer. <laughs> That's it. Yes. Okay. Anyway. So, uh, and then when, when they have done something with the numbers, they're left with an answer, but they don't always know if that answer makes sense. So, when you prevent this whole uh, process by removing the numbers from the problem and replace it with blanks, now the focus of your student immediately shifts away from those numbers that they want to from do something. Adding those numbers up. <laughs> right. right. Because there's nothing to solve there's, yet. Yeah, there's no numbers. And so, now. so now we think about what is actually going on in the question. So then you develop such a problem. Yeah, you leave the numbers out. And students need to ask uh, questions sometimes or figure out what information they need and how to operate it to get the answer. So for example, um, uh, we don't know how old Joe is or how old Sally is. And the question is, how many years younger is Sally than Joe? Now that immediately helps students to think, okay, we are comparing two numbers here. We are comparing two ages. And if you compare two things, um, maybe you need to subtract the two numbers instead of adding them. Now, if you just say immediately the question, so as usually presented, Joe is 25 and Sally is 14, how many years younger is Sally than Joe? Many students will rush to add the numbers. <laughs> yep. Uh, two numbers, let's add them up. So, yep. 25 and 14, and the answer is 39. Start the next question. <laughs> now, by leaving some information out, you can help them to think through the pro process. And now they have to ask how old Sally is or how old Joe is, and they hear the numbers separately. So it's easier to realize that you can compare those numbers. And uh, they will then um, hopefully think better about what operation they need here to, to solve it. And as a teacher, we can talk about what we already know, like apparently Sally is younger than Joe, even if you haven't seen those numbers yet, because that's in the question. How many years younger is Sally? Right. So if Sally is younger, then Joe is older, right? So the number of years of Joe needs to be larger. And gradually... Um, you direct them into, um, we need to find a difference here, and yes, difference, that is with uh, subtraction. And you prevent that they jump in and uh, take the easiest way out and adding the numbers. Now, it's a simple example, uh, but this is the concept. Have them think what's going on, what operation we need to use, and after that, give them the numbers. I think it's a wonderful idea, and it will certainly help help them. Well, thank you, Dr. Schroeder, for your insights. Uh, these were all the links for this week. We hope to see you again next week with five new links. Dr. Schroeder, founder of Disco Kulia Services, she has these wonderful webinars that are really worth looking at, and uh, you can even get a certificate if you answer the questions at the end of the webinar correctly, and, uh, and they'll be emailed to you. 
you, you can see the webinars uh, and sign up for them at uh, webinars.discoculiatrainingcenter.com. Now, if you have any questions or any comments on anything that we've discussed here, or in general, anything about Discoculia, go to our website, discoculiaheadlines.com, and just hit the button, ask a question, and send it to us. Discoculia Headlines Weekly is a production from discoculiaheadlines.com. You can find us on the web at discoculiaheadlines.com, and we are on Twitter at discoculiahead. You can also find us on Facebook, we have a board on Pinterest and on Flipboard. Search for Discoculia Headlines, or follow the links on our webpage. You can send your questions, comments and contributions to communications at discoculiaheadlines.com and we may even discuss it in one of our upcoming podcasts. We hope this was useful for you and until next week, you can count on us.